Ghost Tales with Charlie May, connecting you to a world with the otherworldly. Discover the fables firsthand as you carefully listen to the events centered around the investigations into the paranormal world. Join in on the incredulous and inconceivable narratives of entities, ghosts, and aberrations. Get drawn into the authentic parables and power held by the spirits of the metaphysical realm. Welcome to Ghost Tales. Welcome to Ghost Tales. I'm your host, Charlie May. I want to introduce you today to my longtime friend, Brad. Brad and I met and um, we were discussing the passing of his father and how he really wanted to connect. He had always felt this energy around him that was just undeniable. And today, I want you to hear his story. Welcome, Brad. Thank you. I'm pleased to be here. Um, Can you start by telling us a little bit about the home and your father? Yeah, let me tell you a little bit about the place I grew up and the home I grew up in. And uh, it's interesting because there's always been some phenomena around me in some way in my childhood home and at times through my life. Uh, So I've been in contact with spiritual spirits, some kind of phenomena. And the home I grew up in had a friendly spirit that was in it, not Casper the Friendly Ghost, but nonetheless a friendly spirit who we would, we referred to as Nellie. We did a little research once this started happening, and we found out that the only person who'd ever passed away inside the home that we knew of was a little lady named Nellie Howell. And Nellie uh, became our um, every room you were in, it sounded like another room where this music was playing. And the music was a very soft, melodic, organ kind of sound. Familiar music, but you couldn't really tell what the, what the piece of music was. Maybe at one time there was an organ. One day we were uh, experiencing some storms in the area, and there was a tornado in the town about eight miles away. And as we were headed down to the basement in the library room, uh, we heard something thump in the library room. Well, after the storm had passed, out from the bookshelves into the middle of the living or the of the library room floor was a book. And my brother and I both heard and saw this, and we picked up the book and looked at it, and the name of the storm was the name of the book was The Gathering Storm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So, you know, there were there were things like that that occurred from time to time. My dad would at night wake up and smell what he felt like was a was a holiday dinner cooking, maybe a Thanksgiving turkey or, you know, with all the fixings and he would smell this smell and he'd go downstairs to see if anything was there and uh, nothing, of course. It was just another night, but he would he would smell a holiday feast being cooked. As a family, did you ever discuss this? We just talked about, oh, that's Nellie. Like it was nothing because it happened so frequently. And, and it wasn't a frightening experience. You know, mm-hmm. we weren't living in Amityville horror. Exactly. You know, or poltergeist. Yeah. Exactly. It, it, was, it was a... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that might be her now. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was a friendly kind of thing. It wasn't something anybody was afraid of or feared. And over the years, I've, I've come to feel like maybe my sister was the conduit on this. Uh, my sister's had some experiences outside of that home, 
And that's really the only place where I've had experiences directly, as I've explained. Um, now, there's always been a sense of spirits or something around me, but uh, that's the only home that I ever lived in where th those kind of events happen. My sisters live in two other places where strange occurrences have happened. Leaves the room, comes back into the kitchen, all the cabinet doors are open. Wow. You know, things of that nature. So we've come to think over the years that maybe she somehow is a conduit for these kind of things. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, We've talked a little bit about it, but, uh, you know, it, it's just always been part of our lives. Nellie's always been part of our lives. And when my parents uh, sold the house and were moving out, I was the last one in the house. And uh, as, as I walked around the empty rooms and, and collected memories from over the years and holidays and Christmases and birthday parties and, you know, all the, all the good times that had happened in that house, um, and what age were you at that point? Well, when they moved out, I was I was an adult. Okay. When they moved out, that was in the late 80s. Gotcha. Uh, but as I walked around and remembered all these things and all the places my, my brother and I had played football and torn up the house and done stupid stuff, uh, when I closed the front door, I leaned back in and said, Goodbye, Nellie. We have to leave now. We hope you're doing well. And uh, those, were my, those were my last words, Nellie, as I walked out of the house. I've talked to other people who've lived in the house since. One was a high school classmate of mine. And I've asked if any, they've experienced anything strange or strange phenomena in the house. And nobody can say that they have. But uh, that's why I tend to think maybe my sister was a conduit for this. So you think Nellie followed your sister, perhaps? I think she brought Nellie out. I don't think she's followed her through her life. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I know that, you know, the most dramatic episode that I had with Nellie, if you will, was uh, during my high school years, our basement, my dad had finished it off. And it was a nice finished basement, but it was kind of disconnected a little bit from the house. You had to go up some concrete stairs to get up to the, to the main floor. And uh, so I would hang out down there. Well, there was, a, there was a light switch that controlled the light in the stairwell. And a lot of times somebody would just turn that off thinking it was wasting electricity or, you know, Brad's so stupid down there, let's just leave him in the dark. And, <laughs> which, which probably had some truth to it. But as, as I left, there was a light on over the pool table and the, the switch for it was right beside the exit door from the basement. And as I turned that off, I had a very, very strange sensation, chills, just felt cold. Um, and I turned around and I looked and I saw a figure standing underneath a low beam, which was one of the beams from the house, standing there by, by the pool table. And uh, I, I could see it looked to me to be a, an elderly lady had a shawl. I can picture it like it was yesterday. Her arms were kind of folded over the shawl in front of her. And uh, so I can picture that like it was like it was yesterday. How long did that aberration figure, shadow, whatever you want to call it, stay in your vision? Did you see it disappear? You know, I, I kind of did, but it didn't like dissipate like you might see in the movie where things kind of dissolve away. It just kind of went away. It wasn't, it wasn't dissolving, it just kind of left. And uh, so, you know, there, there were some experiences like that, but uh, 
you know, was just, like I said, was one of those things we just accepted as Nellie. Everybody said, what was that noise? Ah, it's probably Nellie. Yeah. You know, it was an old house. It was built in the 1890s. So, you know, there were creaks and things going on in the house, as houses do, mm-hmm. especially the older homes. Uh, but, uh, you know, there were just enough things happening that, you know, we just, we just acknowledged that there was something there with us. So your father did pass. Yeah, he passed in uh, 2012. Did he believe of a spiritual <laughs> afterlife, or did he ever talk about... Ha- you know, maybe on his deathbed, say, hey, I, I know where I'm going. Please yeah. know my energy or I will always be around you or anything like that. You know, he, he was he was a curious man and uh, always, always reading about uh, not necessarily spiritual stuff, but mysteries. Oh. And uh, always, always liked to, uh, you know, before they found the Titanic, obviously, when I was still at home, he was he was so curious about where that thing had gone, you know? <laughs> I mean, he, that was just the kind of thing he was curious about. Mm-hmm. And he he loved mysteries and looking into them and trying to figure them out. Uh, but he poo-pooed this whole thing about Nellie uh, pretty much most of our lives. And it wasn't until later, after we had left home, where he started talking about, well, you know, I did have this happen to me one time, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know if he was trying to just not scare us when we were at home or if it was just his refusal to admit. I I, I don't know. It, but at the time, you believed it, no doubt. Oh, yeah, there was no doubt I believed it. But your dad kind My dad yeah. kind of poo-pooed it. My mom, I... You know, she kind of joked about it, like, well, you know, here's Nellie again, you know, that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. my dad, oh, that's just ridiculous, you know. And then later we found out that he had had several things happen to him. And funny side story on that. Uh, he was laying in bed one night, and uh, I can't remember the timing on this, but I, I, I don't think I was still at home, but I was right around when I left home at 19. Um, he's laying there in bed, and he heard music. And he says, my gosh, those guys, he says, they're right. I hear that now. And he got up and he went over to where it was coming from by the window. And he goes, well, I can't believe she likes country music. That's the neighbors playing country music. Oh <laughs> so, so, you know, for a second he thought, my gosh, those guys are right. There's music in this house. And then he realized it was the neighbors playing their music loud. Oh, my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he loved telling that story. That's a great story. Yeah, yeah. But you know, he he was he wasn't uh, spiritual in the sense of well, we're getting up on Sunday morning, we're going to church, we're doing the. He didn't have that kind of biblical spirituality. But I know that uh, I know that he believed in an afterlife. I think he believed that there was some place we would go. Mm-hmm. But he always questioned, and it's like I question. Who you know? doesn't question? Uh, people who don't care. Yeah, true. <laughs> or or atheist. Yeah, true. <laughs> right? No doubt. Yeah, they just think we're you know worm meat at some point. You know exactly. But uh, so he would always question these things, and you know, of course, religion all based on faith. There's no proof. Exactly. You know, there, there's no proof that. But that's that's what faith is supposed to be about. There's no proof. Well, there's no proof of anything. There's honestly. no proof of anything. <laughs> so you know, but uh, you know that that's the old fail safe. Mm-hmm. You know of of religion, 
I was telling somebody the other day, you know, if uh, somebody has cancer and they say, oh, pray, pray, please pray, and you pray and they get well, oh, God gave me a miracle. But if they die, it's God's will. Yeah, but okay. they forget that who gave you cancer. <laughs> right. <laughs> Did God give you cancer? Yeah. You know, but, yeah. but in that scenario, God God can't lose. Yeah, God can't. It yeah. was either God's will or or the prayer saved him. Exactly. So no, I know where you're so going. So what about the little three-year-old that gets cancer and dies? God didn't like them? Yeah. I, I, Man, I'm getting off on a sidebar here, and I don't mean to do that. But. No, but I... I totally understand, and I totally agree with you. Yeah. So, you know, I'm I'm back and forth on religion. Like my dad, I don't necessarily believe in the biblical religion, but I do believe that uh, we're not here by accident, and there's some place to go some way, somehow. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, just like religion, I have no proof of that. It's just a personal feeling. What made you finally decide you knew what I did? Yeah. And for the listeners, Brad and I called in his father, and it was... When you say it was a fantastic experience, yeah. Oh, what yeah, made you yeah. decide to do that, that it was time to see if you could actually see him and feel him and communicate, have intelligent communication? Well, I got to go back. I got to digress a little bit again because, gosh, back, I guess, in the uh, early to mid-90s, um, I had a friend who wanted to go to this spiritualist. And she said, I don't want to go alone. You know, it's not in the greatest part of town, and on and on and on. So I said, well, I'll, I'll go with you. That's fine. I don't mind, you know. I was meh on the whole thing about, you know, reading and, you know, understanding what goes on around you. And, oh, yeah, this is your life. This is, here, Here's your future. Here's all this. Well, so I, I, I went with her and... and uh, you know, she said, well, who goes first? And my friend went first. And she said, okay, after that, she said, okay, you ready? I said, yeah, man, whatever. You know, <laughs> let, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. And so I went in and uh, we sat down and, and she, she just sort of uh, started talking a little bit and, and, and stopped and said, oh, she said, I see so many angels around you protecting you. She said, you have so many angels guarding you in your life. She said, "Um, I I, I sense that two or three of them are your grandparents, but I see other people as well. Probably, she said, I don't know if they're people who family have passed or or other. She says, I see one lady looks to be dressed in uh, sort of the late 1800s style of clothes. She says, I have no idea who she is. Wow. She said, but I see a lot of I see a lot of people around you. And she was quiet for a minute. And, I, you know, I was bound and determined not to lead this on, you know. It's, oh, of course. You know, yeah, don't give yeah, any information. Yeah. Where's my bicycle? It's yeah. in the basement at the Alamo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? So I was determined not to lead this discussion. And, and so she sat there for me and she says, you know, you have the ability to do what I do. And I said, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. You know, I'm I'm not surprised by that. I've always felt that. Maybe I had that that ability trapped inside me somewhere, but I always had a fear in bringing it out. You know, just wasn't something I wanted or felt I could wanted to address. Wow! So we're sitting there, and then she started telling me things that she should know about me. You know, about what I do, um, the travels that I do, some of the places I've been. There were just things she shouldn't know about me as an individual, and so that was an interesting experience. And I had one other 
experience similar to that. And I was in Australia on business. And the night before I was due to fly out, I thought, well, I saw this place down the street to get a massage. I'm going to get loosened up a little bit before I get on that plane for 18 hours. And uh, so I went in for this massage. And so this lady's working on my back. And she said, I don't, I don't mean to kind of freak you out. She said, but you know, I'm, I'm, I kind of do readings. And she said, uh, I'm getting some real strong feelings from you. Would you mind if I shared them? I said, yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah, yeah no, let's, let's hear this. Yeah. So <clears throat> she said, okay. She said, when you were a kid, she said, you had what I see as a three-colored dog. And I said, yeah, I had a beagle, you know, three colors, yeah. black, white, and brown. And she said, well, that dog is with us here. She said, that dog follows you around. Wherever you go, that dog's near you. And she says, that dog's in the room with us right now. I said, okay, well, that's interesting. You know, I mean, that's not something that somebody comes up with just off the cuff. True. And uh, she said, the other thing is, she said, your dad is in the hospital, which he was at the time. And she said, They're, they've been thinking maybe he's got heart problems, but it's not his heart and he's going to be okay. Turns out it was not his heart and he was okay. And uh, then at the time I was uh, communicating with a lady friend of mine. Uh, and, uh, you know, we were communicating mostly by, uh, by email and things like that at the time. And uh, she said, well, I see somebody. She said, I, it's got light hair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she said, I, I'm seeing a keyboard. So I think you communicate using, using electronic communications. I said, primarily we do, yes. So, you know, she, again, this person was right on with my life. And, knew, and you were just a stranger off the street. I just walked in to get a massage. It's like, you know, so but she, she said, I'm not charging you. I'm just getting these strong readings and I wanted to share them. She said, I'm not trying to get money. I'm just trying to share this because it's so powerful, these readings I'm getting off of you. And then there were a couple other things that she said that kind of fell right in line with, with where I was in my life at the time. So um, th that kind of brings us back to point of our discussion, which is spirituality, my father, his beliefs, my beliefs, and what, what motivated me to contact him. Um, my father and I had a difficult relationship most of our lives. Uh, he was not a very encouraging people. He did not help build esteem in any of his kids. And it wasn't abusive physically, but, and I can't say it was terribly abusive emotionally, but he just didn't have the ability to draw the best out of us. Mm -hmm. And so he and I struggled many, many years with our relationship. We were just never tight. We were always okay together, but we were never just tight. And uh, so, you know, finally one day he, he challenged me and we were talking on the phone. He was still living up in uh, Northwest Illinois where I was born and raised. And he said, how come we're not close? And I said, well, you really want to know? He said, yeah, I really want to know. Why aren't we closer? And I said, well, if you really want to know, I'm going to drive up and I'll talk to you. Well, let's just do it over the phone. I said, nope. I said, not going to do that over the phone. If you really want to have a man-to-man, father-to-son talk about why we don't have a better relationship, we're going to do it face-to-face -face or we're not going to do it. We'll just go on. 
So he said, well, okay, come on up. So he and I went over to a, a local park and we sat for about three hours and just hashed through things. And, you know, I, I told him at that point, I said, you know, and I, this is how I started the whole thing. I said, when I was about 10 years old, you walked out the door as my father, as my dad, and never came back. What happened? Why did you do that? You were a totally different person at one point. And all of a sudden, you used to wrestle with us, you used to read us books, you used to do all these things like a dad would do, and all of a sudden you were just gone, emotionally. You know, Physically you were there, but emotionally you weren't my dad. What happened? What was going on? That, what caused that? Do you know how damaging that was to us? I said, that was terribly damaging. So we kind of talked through some of the struggles he was going on at that point in his life, and... You know, it would have been nice to know that earlier on. Mm -hmm. But after that point, for about the last, uh, oh, about the last 20 years of his life, we had a, we had a much better relationship. Um, Did you feel really tight with him at that point, the last 20 years, like a real connection with him? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, because, you know, he and I always shared interest in the same things, you know, history, Um reading about uh, the same things, you know, whether he was on Okinawa in World War II and, and fought in the Pacific battles over there. And so, you know, I've always had an interest in uh, the experiences he went through. Uh, we liked the same kind of books. We love talking about history, about, um, you know, uh, this battle or that battle or this event or that event and what caused this and what caused that. So when I started traveling around the world in business, on business, he said, well, he says, I really can't travel anymore. He says, so I'm just going to have to see the world through your eyes now. Wow. So, you know, I had some great experiences. I mean, I, I've been at the top of the Eiffel Tower. I called him from there, you know, and mm -hmm. I've had dinner outside the Sydney Opera House and, you know, been so many places in London and in Scotland and uh, all, all over Europe, really, you know. And uh, so, you know, we, we got the opportunity to share those things together and for him to see the world through my eyes mm -hmm. and uh, you know i know he was appreciative of that and you know he was mesmerized when i went to romania with my wife where she was born mm -hmm. uh, and saw the black sea that just thrilled him that he couldn't believe i was seeing the black sea you know just things like that so he and i were very tight so you know i was there when he passed the night he passed uh, i spent a few days up there um and, uh, you know, so uh, the night, I guess the night before he passed, um, about two in the morning, uh, he, they, my sister and his wife were getting him up to go use the restroom, and he was in such pain. Uh, he died of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He had beat it once, but it came back. Mm -hmm. And uh, he didn't know it came back until it was just at the end. You know, mm -hmm. he found out in May it had come back and in the middle of June, uh, he passed away. So, um, but he was in pain. So she, my sister, who was, was a nurse, said, you know, it's time we start the morphine. And uh, so they started the morphine about two o'clock in the morning and uh, about 7.30 in the morning because he was now kind of in a drug coma. Yeah. Um, laying in the hospice bed in his living room, I... Uh, I was talking and, you know, kind of not talking to him, but kind of talking about him. And 
and uh, with my sister and and uh, I saw him kind of I said something he sort of raised his eyebrows and I said dad can you hear me and he kind of struggled and opened his eyes and and, and uh, I said uh, I love you and he said I love you too oh man and those were the those were the last words he said and uh, so throughout that day he just declined and and uh, and then that night he he passed uh, um, he passed away. We were there when he passed. We were holding his hands. We were talking to him. And they know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, the night before he'd said, "Well, you know, I'm kind of anxious to see mom and dad again." And you know, my sisters and they're both they were both gone at that point. And wow. he said so. And interestingly, what he never mentioned was a brother. But he had a brother who passed away. Uh, it was before my dad was born, and, and uh, the brother was only, I think, three months old when he passed away. Uh, oh, wow. But it was in the, uh, I think it was he was born in the late uh, 19-teens, mm-hmm. 18 or 19. And uh, he never mentioned him, interestingly, but uh, I'm sure, that, I'm sure that, uh, that he's there as well. So my dad, in that in that regard, um, obviously had some recognition that there was going to be some place to go, mm-hmm. and uh, and again, you know, not in a, not in the biblical way necessarily. Maybe it is. Maybe, maybe. You know, none of us know that until the day we go. That's it. Right. So you know, maybe it is the biblical way, and maybe it isn't. So. Uh, I always felt my dad around me, and uh, as you know, a couple of years ago, I had uh, I had a, a brain tumor removed, um, non malignant, but nonetheless, you know, a, quite a quite an episode I went through, and I could feel him around me very close, and the interesting thing is, I kept seeing one number over and over and over and over again. And I was talking to my sister, and I said, I said, I keep seeing the number 316, 316. I said, I, the only thing I can think of is John 316 that you see people holding up the signs of the yeah. football games. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And she said, Brad, 316 is the house number we grew up in. Oh, my gosh. Stop. But it was random. You know, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and check the time. It's 316. I just turn around and look at the clock. It's 316. You know, little little things like that were just happening over and over and over and over again, and uh, so I felt that was sort of a signal that he was close mm-hmm. or affecting my surroundings in some way. Uh, so, um, you know, there was I, I I felt good with that. You know, I, I felt calmed with that, and my siblings have all said we feel Dad close mm-hmm. some somewhere near us. Um, the other side of that is we don't feel our mom close at all, and she passed in 2016. I think we tried to call in your mother, didn't we? Yeah, all we got was big fireball came out of the wall. Can you imagine? Yeah, no, really. Oh, <laughs> my mom was my mom was, was a difficult woman. <laughs> she never showed up. I don't think she didn't want to go. She didn't want to leave this life. She was angry. Mm-hmm. She was. She had a lot of anger issues in her life and depression issues, and I. My brother, my siblings, and I have talked about that too. We feel, you know, while my dad is uh, exploring the universe, my mom is having to reconcile some things she did in her life. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, 
she's not close to any of us. None of us feel her presence. We all feel my dad's presence. All what, of us do. What was that like for you? Um, I brought over all my equipment so we could connect right. with Brad's father. What What was that like for you to actually have that intelligent communication back and forth with him and his energy? You know, as I look back on the experience and I've thought a lot about it, um, it, it's just, it's hard to describe in that you feel good, you feel like there's something else there, you feel like you know he's still watching and, and around you and you know, protecting in some way, and that uh, that there, there's a sense of we don't need to have closure because we don't have closure coming. Exactly, because they're still here. They're still around us, and, and they're going to be around us. Uh, Do you feel him today, every day? Oh, every day, yeah. You know, he, he, I, th- I think of him, I swear to you, I, I think of him almost every day. Almost every day. But I I have some of these things around me. Yeah. He was a jeweler by trade, and I've got his little eye loop that he used and his little hammer and anvil that he would repair watches and do stuff, rings. And, and the book. That and, he... and the book of his, his life that mm-hmm. I put together using uh, his narrative that he had written. Um, you know, and, and pictures and, you know, just little things. I've got his watch, his wristwatch that he wore when I was in high school. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of memories around me that remind me. I've got two coffee cups over in my uh, break front over there. One's my grandfather and one's for my, my father. It was their mustache cup from, from when our town celebrated its centennial back in the early 60s. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, my dad was the chairman of that. And, and uh, you know, so those things are all meaningful to me. And uh, you know, I've got I've got other family things around me too that keep my family close to me. Um, I feel my grandmother's presence, my mother's mother. She and I were very close. She was a very loving, traditional grandmother. Um, I remember staying overnight at her place, and I would lay in the. She had a large, large bathroom and had a day bed in it, and uh, that's where I would sleep and. In the summer nights, the window would be open to crack, and I could hear the the trains coming from miles away, the the horn, the, the horn of the train as it would approach town, and the and the times it would uh, blow the horn, and I could hear that. To even today, when I hear a train and its horn, it just takes me back to some of the best times of my life. I love that. Yeah. So I know they're still there. I know they're still around me and I you know I feel my dad is happy you know oh, he, he I couldn't he, get rid of him honestly I know I know and if you know he wouldn't let any yeah his energy was very strong very strong and uh, the first time we did that was actually uh, at, at your place mm-hmm. and uh, he, it takes him a, a little it, bit to understand what's going on it was a struggle to get him to come through but even then he came through stronger uh, the as, second, as, as it went on, yeah. But the second time it was quite a bit stronger, and then, you know, when you added more equipment, and and then he started lighting up the little things that you had turning laying around. on the flashlights. He turned and, on the flashlights and the little light balls, and yeah, making the bear, <laughs> exactly. You know, talk and 
and uh, then to then to be able to speak and ask questions and get replies and things exactly. like that you know that was that was interesting i've still got those downstairs and i still look at those once in a while and there's some of the questions that i don't understand the answers because they're, they the answers to me were nonsensical to the question yeah so i've tried to figure out what that was all about mm-hmm. um you I know have or, some new equipment i'm sure you what a surprise <laughs> We'll have to do that again. Yeah, I would love to do that. Before we close, I yeah. have a personal question for you. Uh-oh. In everything that you've been through physically and knowing what you know and what you feel and the energy around you, I want to know if you're scared to die. No, no, because I've had to look at it. I've had cancer. I've been in the hospital with double pneumonia for 10 days. I had a brain tumor. Uh, I've had to I've had to come face to face with the possibility I might not come home. What makes you not scared? <clears throat> I think the fact that I've had to really look at it and say, okay, m- maybe this is it, you know. And if it is, is that okay? Well, it's never okay. Mm-hmm. I don't want to die. Mm-hmm. But I've looked at the possibility, and. I've sort of relieved myself of the stress of death because it's, yes, it's frightening, you know, and I think part of it is how do you go? You know, certainly nobody wants to die in a tragic accident on the road Mm -hmm. or, you know, we all wish to just quietly go in our sleep. Um, You know, that would, that's always the optimal way if, Mm -hmm. let's face it, nobody gets out of this alive, right? No, nobody. Nobody gets out of this alive. So... How you go is important, you know, but if I, if, if they'd have gotten in there and found cancer with this brain tumor, um, I, I would have had to face that. And I had a cousin that passed from geoblastoma and uh, I know how deadly that is. And yes, you can fight it. Yes, you can put all this money into it and in two or three years you're going to die mm-hmm. because you can't just cure that. Yeah. You know, it, it always seems to rebound. Um, so it, it, at some point, whether it's two years, three years, five years, it always seems to come back like a, like a, like a mad animal. Yeah. You know, so how you go is, is how one goes is important. Do you go in peace? Do you go angry like my mother did? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think those are, those are things that, uh, you can't control you. It just has to be from within you. Because when I've had my medical situations, um, I've, I've never let it get me too far down. I would usually give myself 48 hours to pity me party, you know? And then and then it's like, okay, that's enough. Let's now, go. now let's figure out how to do this. Yeah. But I, while I had to think about death, I never said, I'm going to die. I always said, oh, I'm not going to die. Mm-hmm. We're going to figure this out. I'm not going to die. This is not going to take me. And I always had a positive attitude about life, about I living. That. I love that. You know, so yes. so that was, uh, I think that's all part of it. My dad went peacefully. We think he's in a happy spot. We think he was happy when he passed. Well, from talking to him, he seems happy. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, there, there's areas I'd you still... You got like. me crying. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
there's areas <laughs> I'd still like to explore. I'd like to know. I've never really gotten a clear picture of if he has his animals around him that he loved mm-hmm. in life. Um, so there, there's things yet to explore that I want to know. Yeah. Because, you know, I've, I've got two dogs. I've had many, many dogs that have passed, as animals do. Um, I'd like to know if they're going to be there with me. Oh, they're going to be there. You know, I think energy so. never dies. And, and You it, can't destroy it. You know, it, it's funny because I just had this conversation with somebody the other day. And uh, we were talking about life and death and this and that and life after death possibilities. I said, and I said exactly what you just said. We are energy. Energy cannot die. No. It just has to take another form. Exactly. And uh, you know, assuming that we are, that we do have souls. Yeah. Then that this energy of that soul has to be somewhere. No doubt. It can't just go away. Exactly. Yep. Brad. Thank you. You made me cry. <laughs> well, that was my goal. What an incredible story. Thank well, you. It's been, it's been a pleasure talking with you here and sharing some of these experiences. Thank you. This is Charlie May with Ghost Tales. <laughs>